Morning, everyone. Thank you for being uh, for joining us again for this uh, Sunday worship time that we have. Uh, we are uh, we don't have a series right now, but we're looking into the scripture uh, in First Peter uh, chapter one, starting with verse one. Uh, let us read. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of the God, uh, of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with His blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and to, uh, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to, to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though for now a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perish, though it is tested by fire, may be found to, be re to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know him, do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is, in, in, that is inexpressible and filled with glory. Obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, for this time to look into your word again. Thank you, Lord God, for another week where we can gather together and worship and honor you. You are worthy. You are the God who's living in, inside of us, who lives with us, and who lives through us, Lord God. May that joy, may that hope, may that faith rise up within us, Lord God, that we might be able to pursue your purpose with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And may we be also, Lord God, a channel of your grace, especially to a world that's full of fear today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I remember quite a few years ago, I found out that one of our pastor's friends, our pastor friend's wife was sick. His wife was going in and out of the hospital at that time. And I could just imagine the stress and uh, tiredness for the whole family. So my initial reaction was to give our pastor some time off to be with his family to attend to his wife's need and to be to minister even to uh, the rest of his family. A few weeks later, after I asked him to slow down his church planting endeavors, I got a phone call asking to meet with me. The pastor, his wife, and some of the leaders of the church plant wanted to meet with me. They were concerned with the church plant. They were concerned about the pastor's wife and they, were, they had some desires in their hearts. So we traveled there, a few of us, and we met with them. To my surprise, the pastor, we first met with the pastor and his wife. To my surprise, they were pleading to, uh, uh, to not stop them from planting the church. They were pleading 
to be allowed to go on and plant the church, to go on with their activities, to go on with their endeavor to pursue planting that church. When we met with the leaders, I was also surprised that they were, yes, they were concerned for the pastor's wife, and they were supporting the pastor and his family and the wife of the pastor as well. And yet, they still wanted to go on with the church plant. We were talking back and forth, and I could see their faith. I could see their passion. I could see their excitement. I had to apologize for, in a sense, withholding them and holding them back from planting this church. The joy in the room, the, 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 the passion for worship, the prayer during that time, that meeting was so encouraging. I, I, was, I, I could literally say I was blown away. I, was, I, I, I went to that meeting, wanted to encourage them that God had a purpose with them, even though this was going to be slowed down. But I went home instead, so encouraged and so filled. Yeah, literally, courage was put inside of me because of these people who saw their difficulty, who saw their trials as just something that they had to move on and to soldier on despite the trials. They clearly had something worth living for that caused them to rise above their dire situation. Today, that church few years after that meeting, today this church is thriving, it's growing, it's moving on, even or despite the pandemic that we're in today. First Peter, where we read in the beginning, is an epistle by the Apostle Peter to non-Jewish Christians who were exiled all over different places. We mentioned it, Cappadocia, Bithynia, and the others. They were scattered. They were exiles. Why? Because they were persecuted. They were suffering. They were threatened. Their lives were, were under threat. So you could imagine these people, they practically had nothing because they were on the run. They practically had nothing because they're starting all over again wherever they, they, they went. And wherever they went, they would be looking behind their backs, wondering what's behind that, taking all the precaution, trying to lay low, trying to feel what's around them before they could do anything or move on with their lives. I wonder what else their life and their situation was like during this time. Yet the Apostle Peter, in the opening of, his, of this epistle, he sets the tone of what he wants to share with the believers or what he wants these people who are exiled, these believers of Christ who are exiled, what, they want to, uh, what, they want, uh, what he wants them to experience and how, they, uh, how he wants them to look at life and what he wants them to fight for faith or to fight in faith for. He greets them, then he expresses a prayer. He tells them that God is watching over them, that God continues to have a plan, that God is working out something in all of their lives. God has not forgotten them. Then he prays this. He declares this over their lives. He says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Not just grace and peace to survive, but he's praying, he's declaring to them. In a sense, he's prophesying that the 
grace and peace of God will be multiplied over you. The grace, the undeserved favor, he's telling them God's grace is multiplied over you. God's grace is following you. God's grace is with you. Then he says there's that the, may the grace and peace of God, that, that means they're not troubled, they're undisturbed. There's this, there's this sense where they're confident that God is with them. And this is the prophecy or the prayer the Apostle Peter has over these exiled Christians. So the question comes to mind, is it possible to have and see the favor of God to the extent where you're undisturbed, where you, uh, where there's, uh, where you're, you're, you're not, you're not uh, scattered, you're not broken, but you're whole. Even in a trying and confused and fearful world, world like ours, is it possible have to experience the grace and the peace of God? in the midst of trials, in the midst of tests. Let's see what else Peter says in the beginning. I encourage you to read the whole epistle because we're just reading the first few verses. What an amazing declaration of truth from Peter. As if you get the chance, I encourage you to read the rest of the epistle. So what does Peter say? Verse 3 says this, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The Apostle Peter is rejoicing. He said, God be blessed. He's, 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 he's celebrating something. He's the, he's, 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 uh, he's, there's joy that's coming out of his heart and his life as he declares and he keeps writing this. He says, according to God's great mercy. There's an emphasis. It's not just according to the mercy of God. It's according to God's great mercy. In other words, God's compassion is overflowing. It doesn't run out. So much mercy, so much compassion is coming out of God and He's declaring it that it's being poured out over the believers of God. He says, according to the great mercy of God, He says, we were born again. In other words, God was the cause of this. He brought us into this. We didn't earn this. We can't work for it, yet God caused us to be born into this. He's given it to us. This is the will of God. This is the desire of God. This is the plan of God for every believer. He said, we were, by the great mercy of God, we were born again to a living hope. Not just hope, but a living hope. It is God's gift of life that he talks about. The expectation of God's gift and God's life in us. The hope we have is not just something good that's about to happen in the future. The hope, of, the hope we have is a living hope, as Peter declares. So why is it a living hope? Why did Peter say that what we have as the people of God it's not just I hope things will change. It's not just wishful thinking that I wish I had, some, I had better circumstances. It's not just a, a, a dream that things will get changed to the better in the future. 
But he says, we have, by God's great mercy, by God's doing, by His heart, by His will, by His desire, He's caused us to be born into this living hope. Why is it a living hope? It is a living hope because first and foremost, our hope is a person. Our hope is a person. Our hope is on a person. Our hope is not just an expectation of something good. Our hope is, is, is a person, and the person is Jesus Christ. Look at this. He caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Did you notice the emphasis of life attached to our hope? It's not things that are attached to our hope. It's life that's attached to our hope. We were born into this hope. It starts with life. It progresses in life and will end with the full life in God. When you read the scripture, you find out from the very beginning, from the time of creation, the first fall of man, man's ultimate hope was a promised Messiah, was a promised Savior, was a promised Lord, was a promised Jesus Christ in that sense. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 says it this way, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Our hope is not dependent on what's happening around us, or because we our hope is in us, our hope is with us. In a real sense, the Apostle Paul was declaring to the, to the exiled believers that our hope is 24-7. It's not sometime in the future. Our hope is with us the whole day, the whole time, because our hope is in us. Colossians describes this hope as, an, as amazing in glory and riches. Wow! This hope is full of glory and full of riches. That the world cannot take away. The world cannot change. Secondly, our hope is worth living for. What a God, verse 3, what a God we have from the Message Bible. And how fortunate we are to have Him. This Father, our Master, Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we have been given a brand new life. And have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. It says a few things. It says we have been given a brand new life. Remember, Peter was writing to, a persec to persecuted exiles whose life had become a mess. No clear direction, no stability, no peace. He's telling them in Christ your that your life, which seems broken, is not actually a broken life. But your life now is a brand new life. It's a new beginning. It's a new start with new ways and new promise and new provision. The question is, how about us? 
How are we facing this crazy and confusing situation we are in today? Who are we following today? Have we or are we following our Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of this challenge today? Whose lenses are we using to see what's happening in the world? Sometimes I get so surprised how much people keep repeating the news. They keep, they, they, they hear a news or they find news and they keep reposting, sending it to everyone. And, 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 I re and I'm thinking, man, everybody knows this. Everybody sees this. And why are we repeating it? Whose lenses are we using to see what's happening in our world, to see what's up ahead for our lives? Another question is, do you see an empty glass or even a broken glass that describes our world today or your life? Or do you see a glass that's about to get filled till it's overflowing by the promises, the provision, the compassion and the grace of God? Again, whose lens are we using to look into our world? It also says we have everything to live for. The hope is not just about tomorrow. Interestingly, that's the struggle with hope. Because the promise, the good is in the future, but the trials are here today. So we're always weighing, calculating the brutal facts today with the promises of tomorrow. That's the struggle with hope. That's why for Peter says this is a living hope. Why? Because the scripture we read said the hope starts now. It doesn't start tomorrow. It doesn't start one week from now or one month from now or one year from now. The hope starts now. In other words, friends, there's real hope. God wants to fulfill a hope in you today. And tomorrow, God still has a will to fulfill another hope tomorrow. Then the week after, then months after, then years after. The future starts now. So the question I want to throw again to us this, uh, today is this. What is your hope in God today? Do you still see a hope in God today? Is there still something you're believing God for? What's your hope for God? What's your hope in God for tomorrow? How about for next week? How about for next month? How about for next year? What's your hope in God that you are looking to and looking forward to? What's the hope in God that you're pursuing with your life today? Is your life on hold today because of what's happening today? Or is your life still pursuing a hope that God's placed in your heart? Friends, it's time to leave survival mode and start pursuing the purpose, the destiny, the vision, and the dreams of God for you, for your family, 
for the church, for your city, for our world. Some of you had amazing dreams from God before this pandemic. Because of what's happened, all these dreams have been pushed aside. Let me encourage you. It's time to go back to those dreams. It's time to bring those dreams out again and bring them to God and say, God, these are your dreams that you've placed in my heart and I'm pursuing it from this day forth. I will pursue this again with all of my heart, with all of my strength because you have placed in me a living Friends, this pandemic has not and cannot change the plans, the will, the promises, and the Word of God. This crisis we are facing today has not changed the calling, the destiny, and the purpose of God for you. It remains the same. Even as the world talks about a new normal, even as the world says things will never be the same again, the calling, the purpose of God for you remains the same. God is working it out. God is fulfilling it. God is taking you a day at a time towards the fulfillment of it. Do you see it? Is there a hope inside of you that's welling up that's saying, yes, my life is not useless today. My life is not in waiting mode today. My life is still pursuing the purpose of God no matter what's happening around us. This living hope has given us something worth living for. Peter was telling the exiled church, there's so much to live for. So much to live for. The reality is there's so much, there's, there's greater valuable, uh, greater value in what God has in store for you than what the world can offer you. Lastly, our hope is secure and guaranteed. Verse 4, look at this. To an inheritance, we've been born again to a living hope, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Did you also notice the great emphasis on the security and the certainty of our inheritance? This is not just some cheap inheritance. God provides for this. God secures this. And they say there's a day when everything will be fulfilled. God will fulfill this. Somebody said, I was reading something that somebody said. It was very interesting. He said, it's interesting that how false hopes are revealed in crisis. False hopes are revealed in crisis. I realize this. When the hope you have crumbles in crisis, it doesn't mean there is no hope. It just means that you had a false hope. That you didn't have something real. It was just a pretender. It also means this. It's time to move to the living hope 
not hang on to false hopes. Wonder how many times we have been disappointed by a supposedly a promising opportunity only to be burned in the process, even destroyed and beaten by it. You know, I know there's a lot of devastating uh, 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 stories that, have been, that we have seen and heard during this pandemic. I don't want to put that down. I don't want to ignore that and, and consider it not uh, important. But I also, but I also, I'm amazed with the multiple success stories and breakthrough stories as well in the midst of this pandemic. But as I get encouraged by this success story, in a real sense, I'm also discouraged because I realize I don't have the gifts these people have. I don't have the skills, and many times I don't have the vision these people have. But take a look what God says. Take a look what, take a look at how God sets up His dreams. Take a look at how God sets up real hope in your life. Take a look at how God puts and makes sure that the vision He puts in your heart is real. Verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to, re to be revealed in the last time. What does the scripture say? Faith is the key. Faith is the connection. Faith brings the guarantee to this living hope from God. Verse 7, pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Then genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display and is evidence of His victory. What is most valuable? The scripture here says it's not gold, but faith. ESV, even the ESV Bible even says it that, that genuine faith is more precious than gold. Friends, I call faith the great equalizer. What do I mean by that? I realize that the only way God can guarantee His promises, His will, His provision, the only way God can guarantee our hope, the only way God can guarantee the end. The inheritance that can never fade, can never be lost. It's set aside in heaven for you. The only way it can be guaranteed to get to you and not be gotten or taken away by anybody else is by faith. Why is that? See, I realize this. I'm, for this, I am amazingly grateful to God. See, I realize no matter how gifted and how skilled you are, there are always people so much better than you. Do you realize that? If God's promises, if God's hope is achieved by skill and by talent and by extreme strength and undying uh, 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 workaholic attitude, guess what? Only a few will be able to receive and experience the living hope of God. But I thank God that the living hope that comes from God is given and guaranteed by faith. The bottom line is, will you trust God for it? And if we're willing to trust God, the promise, the hope is guaranteed. Verse 8. 
God has the wealth, the presence, the power, and the heart to fulfill this living hope, His purpose, His destiny, His plan, His promises, and His will for you and I. Verse 9 says this, Because you have kept on believing, you'll get what you're looking forward to. Total salvation. Wow! Total salvation. Everything, body, soul, and spirit, totally saved. Every need provided for, every sickness healed, every wayward life placed with a purpose. Total salvation. Because you have kept on believing. Remember, Peter is talking to a persecuted, exiled church. I could imagine them going through seasons of doubt. I could imagine them going through seasons of fear. I could imagine them going through seasons of hopelessness. Yet they kept standing up again and kept going back in faith. And Peter says, because you have kept on believing, you'll get what you're looking forward to. Total salvation. Friends, as we close, let us keep encouraging one another. Let us call out God's purpose over each other. Let us call out God's destiny for each other. God has given us a living hope. Let us get ready for this next season the next adventure God has prepared and is working out in us, with us and through us, today and tomorrow. In Christ, we have real hope that guarantees hope today, tom tomorrow, and way into the future. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you, Lord God. For everyone that's listening, everyone that's worshiping you today, everyone that's part of this service, I pray, Lord God, that you would truly, Lord God, open the eyes of our heart that we might see the living hope that you've caused us to be born into, Lord God. This is not wishful thinking. This is not just hopefully we'll get something good in the future, but this is a real hope life-changing hope that, that's getting established a day at a time in our lives. This is hope 24-7. Because this is hope inside of us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That you, your compassion, your grace, your peace is so abundant and so powerful you came and to, to put hope in us that we will see that life is worth living for. That we would see that there is a dream, there's a vision, there's a purpose, there's a destiny to pursue with you for the rest of our lives. I pray, I want to pray for some of you. If you're struggling with hope today, if you're feeling hopeless today, if some of your dreams have been crushed, some of your hopes have been thrown away, like I said earlier, it doesn't mean there's no hope. It just means we need to turn to the living hope, Jesus Christ Himself. 
So if you're struggling with hopelessness today, I just want to pray with you and pray for you. So please pray with me right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you that through your death on the cross and because of your resurrection, you have put me and caused me to be born into a living hope that's in, that's in you. Thank you for the hope that you put into my life. Thank you that I have a relationship with real hope. Lord Jesus, I ask you that you would continue to lead me, guide me, establish my steps according to your will and purpose. Use me to be a voice of hope to a hopeless world that we live in today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you.